Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. You have arrived at the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking, hostess with the mostest of Black in the Garden. Previously on Black in the Garden. It's scary producing a podcast. <laughs> and, and it's what a lot that? of work. <laughs> Yes. Tell, tell me more. Uh, let the people know that this is not just a cute little hobby. No, because what happens is it is allowing yourself to be vulnerable, not only allowing yourself to be vulnerable, but you're putting the people that you're inviting to your space in a vulnerable position as well. And mm-hmm. you have to be open to positive and negative feedback and ridicule and knowing that just because something is your shit doesn't mean it's somebody else's shit, you know, and that's okay. But it's just, it's, it's so much, it's such a learning process and I'm still learning. I'm still figuring out, you know, what works for me, what doesn't. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. I don't know where you are. I don't know what time you're tuning in, but it's your girl, Cola B talking, welcoming you to the intersection of black culture and horticulture, as you've already heard. Thank you so much for lending me your ears. And I want to jump right in with some shout outs. And I want to give some shout outs to the international soil cousins that are tuned in to this show. Like I'm looking at where Black in the Garden is hitting throughout the globe. And I'm talking about not just Canada, which is just, you know, north of the border, but we talking about like Switzerland and South Africa, Brazil, y'all, the Netherlands, just shout out to all of y'all. I'm just getting, getting right into it. Germany, Australia, what y'all out there in Australia. Okay. What's up Aussies. You got the, we got that UAE, the United Arab Emirates. Y'all know what that is, right? Shout out to y'all. Puerto Rico, France, What's good? Bonjour, Thailand, Cyprus. Listen, I don't know where Cyprus is. I'm not even going to sit up here and lie, but we got soil cousins in Cyprus. So y'all say what's up. Holler back at us on, on the socials. Instagram is my fave. You know this. You should know this by now. Send us an email, our international soil cousins. We we want to hear from y'all. We want to know what's popping in your gardens across the globe because that's there's a whole world out here and I'm excited to have the whole world tune into Black in the Garden. I'm talking about Nigeria, Zambia, Guatemala, the Republic of Lithuania, Romania, all the listen, I wasn't trying to rhyme. It's just, you know, certain countries just in with IA. That's just it. We got Finland in the house. We got Djibouti in the house. We got Uganda, Belgium, like we out here. Shout out to Pakistan. Shout out to Kenya, Nigeria. Listen, y'all, I'm grateful and I appreciate y'all tuning in from wherever you are. 
in the States. I know we deep in the States. LA was good. That is a huge, huge market is what the analytics are telling me. So why not just take a moment to say what's up to all y'all? Why not? We already did it. We did it. It happened. (laughs) So shout out to everybody around the world who is tuned in. And when I say around the world, I mean, just everybody. It is so good to be able to talk about what we're doing as Black people gardening across the diaspora. And the the optimist, the enthusiast in me is very much looking forward to telling so many more stories. But I really just have to pace myself. I really just have to, I really just have to take it all in stride, you know, set up the interviews, figure out what the stories are going to be, get in the mix because we'll we'll get there. But let's just take this day. We have a really interesting interview coming up with our favorite neighbor, Nick. We're going to get to that. He's in Hawaii. So like I said, we already, you know, crossing time zones and all up in mountains and stuff like that because, you know, we everywhere. Now, me, myself, personally, I am out here in the land of the Carolinas, the southern one, to be specific, out in Columbia, and it's summer, and I am temporarily situated. I Listen, COVID done came through and really jacked up most of our plans, so I mean, I don't even, I don't even feel bad, but to be a gardener, to be displaced, to need to plant seeds and get things going for my personal garden and have to delay those plans around so many variables is frustrating to say the least. So I'm sure some of you can understand what I'm talking about. Some of us just don't have access to space to grow things for a multitude of reasons. And I unfortunately am one of those people right now, but that didn't stop me from doing a black ass podcast though. No, it did not because whether I'm growing or not, I'm still going to talk about it. And I do have some things going on. I shared it on my Instagram live the other day, just, you know, some caladium, some really pretty pink, either caladium or alocasia. Listen, the difference It's not so much about the differences because, you know, we don't really do science like that unless there is a scientist who who we're speaking to. I not one. However, when it comes to the science, not entirely sure. But what I can tell you is that they're elephant ears, you know, for for in layman's terms, elephant ears. When I say that in general, you probably know what I'm talking about. That's literally my favorite it's my favorite. It is my favorite ornamental plant. I understand when I say ornamental, that just means a plant that, you know, we don't typically grow for food or edible purposes. Um, There are some edible elephant ears, the taro, if I'm not mistaken, T-A-R-O. Listen, don't get me started lying about all the other science involved in that. But I do know that in some cultures, the root of the elephant ear the specific name, listen, Auntie Google can help you with that. Just let her help you. But as for for all intents and purposes right now, 
I am growing a few varieties of elephant ears because it's my favorite from when I was very young, even when I was plant blind, you know, and we talked about this with the, on the episode with uh, my homegirl, Brittany, black girl, green world on the stay plant woke episode, which y'all go listen to that. And also go and check her out. That's Brittany, black girl, green world. Check her page out on Instagram. She does an Instagram live about all the plants that she killed. Cause let's be honest. <laughs> we all got our graveyards. We all got our, I was going to say skeletons in the closet. I'll, I'll figure out better language for that. But look, shout out to her and definitely check her out. And that reminds me of something that I'm going to mention right after this. But uh, we spoke about, you know, being children and not really paying attention to plants. And I was one of those children. However, I did, I do remember noticing growing up in Jacksonville, Florida, I do remember in our front yard noticing the elephant ears, most likely because of the size of them. There's just something really cute and cool and tropical about seeing a lush, healthy patch of elephant ears growing. Maybe that's just me, but the endearment came at a young age for that particular plant. So uh, for anybody who also loves that plant, shout out to you. If you're not into them, get into them. They're so easy to grow. Uh, they usually come back, you know, they'll, they'll die out when it gets cold. What is that? What is that called? Die back? Yeah. Let me get my, let me get my terminology right. So y'all can know that I, I know a few things about this gardening situation, but yeah. So I just wanted to share a little bit about what I'm growing, which I definitely started lots of seeds. I have all kinds of tomato starts and I started some melons. I started some fairy tale pumpkins from Seed Mail, Seed Co. Listen, don't get me started with the shout outs because we'll be here all day. But shout out to <laughs> shout out to the Seed Slayer from episode two. While we at it, we already there. So I grew some fairy tale pumpkins and now I'm growing them in containers. So I'm nervous about that because to my understanding, that's not always the best way to go about it. But sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. The urge to grow, the urge to plant seeds is very strong with me. And so I'm going to grow whatever I can grow and figure it out as I go along. But ultimately, very, very, very soon, I will be totally situated permanent space, growing all the things and trust and believe you'll be the first to know about it. So I appreciate y'all for keeping up with me on this black ass journey in the garden at the intersection of black culture and horticulture. Before we go any further, I want to take a moment to talk about black business. And you know, it's come to my attention that Many of my listeners are first-time podcast listeners, which is really dope. So let's just take a few seconds to make sure we understand how we can support podcasts. This one in particular gives you an opportunity to also support Black business, such as my fave, Cocoa and Seed, which is a wonderful Black business owned by a fantastic Black woman. I can vouch for her myself. She's dope. All right. And what she has for you on today are a few things. 
You can get some mugs that you can get customized. Yes, that means you can put your name on it. Okay, you could even put your boo name on it or your Monstera boo. Just, just a hint, just, you know, just some inspiration for you. You can get a rose gold propagation station to get your, your plants going. You know, you want to multiply. You want to get more plants. Obviously, you need a propagation station. It's beautiful. Wait till you see the website. How are you going to get to the website? Through the affiliate link. That is the most important thing. That's how you support the black business and the podcast. You see how it comes together? So this is what you'll do. The link is in the show notes. Or if you want to write this down, Linktree spelled L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash black in the garden. And that is how you get to the website so that you can save 10% on your purchase at Cocoa and Seed. Because you're definitely going to be particularly interested, if you're anything like me, you'll be particularly interested in getting yourself an a self-watering hydroponic planter kit so that you can get your microgreens or your herbs popping. Listen, it's up to you. But make sure you use the affiliate link so that you can support Black in the Garden, support Cocoa and Seed. Get 10% off. You just did a thing. You should feel excited. So, hmm. as events have been unfolding, and when I say events, I mean more senseless deaths of my skin folk, my Black people out here. Of course, I'm trying to figure out what all is going on. What the hell is going on? It's it's like we know what's going on. Uh, white supremacy is running rampant and we need to go ahead and, and do all the things that we need to do to dismantle that thing. So that's that's one. But of course, Black Lives Matter. They always have mattered. And I'm listening to my favorite podcast, The Read. Y'all should know that by now. For the, for the long-time listeners, that's my favorite show. For the new listeners, go check it out. It's dope. It is like, we're not going to get stuck on that. Just know it's dope. But one of the things that came up, just a very simple, oh my God, a very simple point being that Black Lives Matter is literally the minimum. It's the minimum. Matter is to say that something matters is simply to acknowledge that it's a thing. It's relevant. It has relevance. Of course, if you think about the contributions that Black people have made to society overall, I'm talking about across the diaspora, across the world, we really do be out here enriching this whole situation. Like the whole thing, like our culture is rich, our food, our language, our music, we more than matter. We we are tastemakers. We are really at the pulse of all things that are dope and amazing. And so it shouldn't like why why kill us though? Why 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 should we have to die? You you would think that with everything that we do contribute to society that it would be a major gain to try to keep us alive or maybe even encourage us to <laughs> to produce to have more you know black people running around just to be able to make 
the whole world that much more great, but mm, I guess that's not how white supremacy is set up. But I have to, I have to speak my piece. I have to let it be known what side we're on. I, at the same time, I actually don't have to. I'm gonna be clear about that because this is a black platform, and it's been that way from the very beginning. And I just have to say. That I'm, I am with my soil cousins, my skin folk, all of us who are out here, who are concerned about getting to a solution, getting to a better world, living in a better world, figuring out how to talk to our kids about this. Like I'm here in this struggle along, along with, as we all are is what I'm saying. 2020 has not been, and it was cute though, because when we started out the year, it was all like 2020 girl it's 2020. Like I, she don't even deserve a cute name no more. So <laughs> 2020, no, we, we, we cancel in that. It's just 2020 has been bittersweet because it hasn't all been terrible. I have definitely seen some very, you know, positive things that have happened. Uh, there's, one example, one recent example, uh, Breonna Taylor, the, there's a law that has been put in effect for the, the no knock policy when it comes to police raids. That's something that has become effective. Her killers still not still free. So I'm definitely taking issue with that, but so many names, so many tragedies, so much to so much that has happened that would make you feel like there's not enough hope. But if I can't do anything else on my show, just me being the kind of girl that I am, I will encourage you to remain hopeful and hold on to hope. I hope that you feel more hopeful. I hope that you feel more hopeful. That feels a little bit redundant, but I, you know my heart. You know what I'm trying to get to, which is we are all in this together. It sounds trite, but if we could actually unite around the fact that, can we unite? Listen, I don't have all the answers. I just don't. I'm trying to find something eloquent to say, but it's important for me to say, to speak from the heart so you understand, listen, a lot of times I got the words. A lot of times I know how to sum things up, but things are, things are still in progress right now. So what I want you to do is at this point, as you're tuned in to a podcast for the sake of getting into the subject today, which is all of our problems can be solved in the garden. Our favorite neighbor, Nick, is going to break that down for us. We had a, a dope conversation, a deep conversation. I'm not going to lie. I really got some homework out of that. I want to be sharper. I want to be more enlightened. So I appreciate the neighbor, Nick, for, for encouraging and, and inspiring that. And I'm looking forward to part two of our conversation. This is actually part one. 
So I hope that y'all enjoy this, get your life, maybe take some notes, whatever you need to do. Thank y'all so much for tuning into Black in the Garden. Get into this interview with our favorite neighbor, y'all. So we are having a conversation on today with your favorite neighbor, Nick Neighbor is what he is calling himself. And so we're going to get right into the interview with learning how he came to be our favorite neighbor. But I want to welcome you to Black in the Garden, Nick. Thank you, sister. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you. So, okay, so you're our favorite neighbor. Where are you at? <laughs> okay. Where Let's am start. I at currently? Yes. Geographically? Yes. Uh, I am currently in Hawaii, Maui, uh, the island of Maui, to be exact. 3,000 okay. feet um, on the east side of the island, living off the land. Wow. Okay. And so, do you even have any neighbors? Like, <laughs> let's get into uh, the neighbor so title. <laughs> I do, but I'm from Los Angeles, California. And I grew up right in the middle of the inner city, uh, which is, you know, just, you know, that's a, it's a vague term, but I grew up, uh, a lot of people familiar with uh, Nipsey, Nipsey Hussle, one of our fallen greats as mm -hmm. recent. Uh, his store is about two blocks from my house. Mm -hmm. uh, my family still there. We're still there. So inner city LA, a lot of neighbors in the neighborhood. And I got that name um, from showing a kid, a four-year-old kid across the street, you know, he would come over and visit and I would be growing food. So he would just ask his mom, hey mom, can we go hang out with neighbor Nick? You know, it was just a funny little thing for that kid, but it kind of stuck. Wow. And I just threw it up as a, as a social media tagline. But, you know, the idea is just to be neighborly. It's just to, to, to exchange and trade and barter and share resources with those who are in your community. Uh, if you have a particular resource that they don't, maybe you guys can trade and get to know each other. Uh, during this time, you see a lot of stress and angst and violence because people don't understand one another. Well, if you go next door and offer some brown sugar or some tomatoes, hey, they may have some pepper or some corn for you. You never know. So it just kind of stuck in. I want to kind of uh, subconsciously deliver the importance of us finding that common unity within our community. And one way of doing that is just to live by example and show you that we can too, we can also be neighborly. Absolutely. So in everything is just considering the neighborly aspect of it. It is very clear that you, you value community. And so how did you, was it a person? Was it an experience? How did you come to value community? Was it at an early age? How did, how did it come about? Yeah, definitely at, at an early age, but it just changed. The value was always there, but the response just uh, changed once I learned and went down a path of sustainability and plant-based nutrition and urban farming. You know, those things are essential to our community. So once I got that knowledge and learned the hacks, if you will, learn how to get to the harvest in a way um, that's more, I would say, uh, or, or, or less conventional, right? Once mm -hmm. I learned how to do that, then it was my duty to share those things with my community. So, you know, I, I studied science, I studied biology in school, and, you know, that's typically a path to go to medical school or research or whatever. And once those, you know, once those pathways weren't, uh, were, were less attractive for me, 
I just decided to, to dig further into that and get back to the source. And the source for us is agriculture. One of the, the first um, uh, pieces of technology or one of the first industries was the agriculture industry on the continent of Africa. So mm -hmm. it's our duty to share that knowledge with our community since our community is, is just um, into things you know, that don't really, don't really help us like entertainment and media, and et cetera, material things and you know those types of things. So I just wanted to stress the value of, of getting back to the old school, taking your feet off, getting dirty, planting seeds, growing food and sharing food. I think doing that can help us solve a lot of the challenges that we have in our community. Absolutely. Uh, there's just, there are so many things that are plaguing our community. Uh, I know that if you were running for president, you're, you would be running on a platform of all the problems mm -hmm. that we have need to be solved in the garden, right? Sure. That's, I say that a lot. I say that all yeah. the time. Uh, some of our, our, our most challenging issues uh, can definitely be curbed, cured, solved uh, from our garden. And we're so going to get... Stand by and, we are going to get uh, into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you... Yeah. You stand by that. That is, I'm excited to get into that because this is actually, there's so many, there's so many elements to consider when we're talking about all the problems being solved in the garden that we're actually going to take uh, special thought and care and consideration. So we're going to give this uh, a two part uh, situation. So this is part one <laughs> and we're just going to get to know neighbor Nick. So you're from LA and yep. you studied science and, and it put you on the path. Would you, would you say STEM? Like, is that something that you're into? Do you, I know some people don't really rock with the STEM cause it's problematic. Uh, well, you know, I just, I look at it as, as, as an ever evolving fluid type of acronym. Uh, you know, mm. you had an A to that, now you have STEAM science, technology, engineering, agriculture, and math, right? Um, so yeah, of course, that's something that's important to me. That wasn't the push in 1998 when I attended uh, Florida A&M University, but you know, it, it became a thing shortly after. But yeah, it fits, of course. I'm into all of those things, especially mm -hmm. the agriculture aspect of it. So um, you know, it's popular, and it's trendy, and it's good because the more scientists, young scientists we have in this world, I think, um, the better off we will be. Absolutely. I love that you added that A, that steam, like that seems like it's way more comprehensive. You're making me think about our, our soil sister, Nadia, uh, the urban farm sister. You're familiar with her, a friend of Black in the Garden, oh, yeah. right? You're a friend of mine. I've known her for, I don't know, I'd say 10 years, all through social media. We've had several conversations and we've helped each other uh, tremendously. Uh, most recently, she helped me with a beehive issue that I had in my backyard. She showed me and told me how to sustainably remove it after it took over my compost bin in a wow. way to, uh, to keep the bees alive and, and keep the queen alive. So props to that sister. She does a lot of great work. She's into entomology amongst other things. And you know, a lot of people um, learn a lot from her, her platform. And so I'm just trying to do the same thing and we're all doing our part. Uh, so yeah, salute to that sister. I think she's in Cincinnati still. 
Right. I mean, when you say a lot of people, myself included, I never not learn something when I'm talking to her. So shout out to Nadia. I know she's listening. And uh, so we appreciate that. Um, Let me see. So when you say that a lot of people learn a lot from Nadia with her platform and all the things that she does, you do a lot of things as well. Would you be able to summarize one main thing that you want people to get from your platform or is it a little bit deeper than that? One thing. Yeah. I mean, I can give you a hundred things, but I think the (laughs) primary thing for right now, what's most important and what's paramount to deal with the issues we're having now is the idea of pulling away from consumerism. Uh, Mm -hmm. If I were to ask you on a monthly basis, what's your largest expense outside of utilities, right? Outside of, house note or rent or car note or lights or telephone, whatever, what's mm-hmm. your, your, your largest expense? And, you know, nine times out of 10, the answer is going to be food. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because we live in, in America in a system where um, capitalism has, has been on the forefront, everything you see on TV is designed to program you into a customer, into a consumer. So as a child, you can't really differentiate these views. You see the gold, bars on the M against the garnet. And now you want a happy meal because you associate that food with you being happy, right? There's a little toy inside wrapped up in plastic that's going to soothe you, you know, and and just kind of put you in a trance for a limited amount of time while you consume garbage. So for me, I want to show people that they can grow their own food like their grandparents used to. And here's how. And mm-hmm. in doing that, you'll open up a lot of pathways to, to evolve and kind of level yourself up, not to mention you'll be getting healthy at the same time and saving money. So that would be the primary um, or the most important message that I try to share from my platform, mm-hmm. but it's just one piece of the pie. You know, there's a lot of pieces of pie and there's a lot of people out here that are contributing to that pie. So we're all doing our part, you know, and I'm just one of the players in the game, but People like you, people like Nadia, you know, we just all need to uh, come together and create a common message so that it's more organized and the impact is, is better felt. I like, okay, I love how you, you put that very eloquently and you gave me a great segue into something that I wanted to discuss with you considering current sure. times. Uh, we are living in the, the times of covid And we are also living in the times of civil unrest that has been, uh, what is the word I use, magnified? The civil unrest undoubtedly is connected to the fact that there's a pandemic that is occurring. The civil unrest, of course, the source of that is unfortunately white supremacy and the symptom, you know, being police killing black, unarmed black men, just not not just black men obviously killing black people and the outcry and the rioting and the looting and everything that comes along with that like we've seen this we've seen this like since the 90s in particular when you know news media became what it started to become what it is now and of course i say all that to say that this is what all is happening right and so what what's where's your stance on that like where are you on the side of peaceful protesting versus rioting looting 
Do you see the value in all of that? Like, let's just chop it up on that a little bit. Okay. Let me unpack that a little bit. Um, yeah, unpack it. I'll start with the, the value point. Yeah, yeah, I definitely see the value in any movement, but you got to break it down. It's, you know, we got to choose the narratives that speak to us and we have to select our words um, immaculately. In other words, you know, I'd rather use rebellion than riot, right? Because there's a cause and there's a reason behind all the energy. So we're rebelling. These folks are, these young kids are rebelling against uh, a certain pressure that they probably can't overstand nor articulate, but they feel it. Um, however, in, in terms of looting and rioting, you got to break it down. Cause if you, you know, if you get to the truth and the source of what's happening here, you see a lot of different factions, a lot of different groups out there. It's not just um, an umbrella of black people. I would say six, seven, maybe eight out of 10 of the quote unquote looters or rioters are 20 year old suburban white kids and mostly women. I see blonde girls out there more than I see black boys. So, you know, you gotta understand and not to mention the infiltrators, right? You have the Antifa and the anarchists, that's never been our MO. We don't draw an A with a circle around it. We don't spray paint Black Lives Matter on the building. It's, it's such a lame thing to do, right? So you, you have to really see what's happening out here. It's not, you know, it's not us exclusively, but the narrative will say that, right? The narrative mm -hmm. will say we're the looters or the troublemakers or the rioters, but from what I've seen and what I understand and overstand in this rebellion and rebellions of the past, right? I grew up right in the middle of the Rodney King LA rebellion. I was right there in the heart of it, saw it all right. you know, from the front line. So you got to understand this, this movement has been hijacked. Black Lives Matter has been hijacked. This protest has been hijacked and infiltrated by agents, right? Agent provocateurs. They're not looking like you and they don't have your best interest. So we just have to be careful with the narrative when we ask these questions and the words we choose. Uh, mm -hmm. But to get to your point, I think uh, protesting has always been a really good marketing campaign to inform the world what's going on here in the land of the free and home of the brave, right? It points mm -hmm. out the hypocrisy that we all live in. So that's necessary. I think to a degree, um, uh, uh, protesting and, and, and peacefully and, and, you know, not peacefully, uh, tearing shit up, burning shit down, <laughs> looting has its place, but we just have to be careful with the narratives because at the end of the day, whoever responds to this energy, you know, they're going to be looking at us as the target. These little suburban kids in their black mask and black hoodie and black boots and black jeans and black shirt, right? With, with, with you know, these bricks and these pallets and, and these spray cans, they're going to all go disappear back into their communities. Mm -hmm. right? So we just have to be careful on the narrative, but it's all necessary, right? If it gets the intention, the attention that it deserves to create some sort of justice in this country for people that have never experienced justice, then it's necessary. I see that. I see. I, I appreciate that. I, when you mention, when you mention the infiltration of the black lives matter movement, um, where my mind went was to um, two of our great fallen or slain leaders, uh, of the past, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. And just in considering what we know about them and the role that they played in the black community as prominent leaders and seeing how they were slain, from what I understand about the Black Lives Matter movement and them not specifying one figurehead as the leader, um, 
with the interest of kind of like not having that same trend continue with you know like assassinations with MLK and and uh, Malcolm X. What's your take on that? Do you do you see the value in not having that kind of figurehead in order to preserve? Um, you get what I'm saying? I don't. Expand on that a little bit. I'm sorry about that. So basically, I'm saying we had leaders in the past, and those leaders were vulnerable because they were out there, like very prominent, very visible. And I'm specifically using the examples of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, right? So my understanding of the Black Lives Matter movement, as far as not having one particular leader, is that that is a part of the strategy to make sure that we don't have that kind of vulnerability with having a leader specified. You get what I'm saying? I do. I just wanted to make sure I heard it properly because I wanted yes. to, to deliver a point that's super important. Mm -hmm. um, you got to take it back to the 50s. You got to take it back to the, the or before the 20s. You got to take it back to Marcus Garvey and mm -hmm. going into uh, MLK and Malcolm X and the whole civil rights movement. But, you know, the force that was established to fight that was literally the FBI under J. Edgar Hoover and his 10 point system. Number one, the most important thing on his system was uh, for him was to prevent the rise of the black Messiah, right? By any cost. And that's why you've seen all the assassinations, right? Whether it was um, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm X or Martin Luther King or Fred Hampton in Chicago or, you know, Ever. I mean, the list goes on and on. Even Nipsey right. Hussle, some say, right. It doesn't matter. It's the spiritual thing, right? Once the spirit of the Messiah is taken down or buck broken, right? It's going to prevent the next person from rising up. That's a strategy and it's worked to perfection. However, we can't be dependent on one person as a leader. We all need to be leaders of our own cloth in our own communities. That's what makes it unstoppable and unbreakable and helps it to sustain. Uh, waiting for some leader to rise just to follow doesn't really get us anywhere, but leads us to a path of like destruction and heartbreak once that person's taken out. And it could be yeah. a, a male, female, black, white, doesn't even matter. It's a spiritual thing. So, you know, I, I try to I try to stay away from um, waiting for a savior, right? Um, mm -hmm. We are the saviors and we have to save ourselves. So, you know, it's real important to look into that. And this, this is documented fact. These aren't my words. You can look it up. J. Edgar Hoover's 10 point uh, FBI system of the 1940s and 50s. And that mm -hmm. was literally to prevent the rise of the black Messiah. Cause once that person rises and tells you who you are, the world changes overnight and they can't afford that. Mm. Wow. I, that is exactly what I was trying to understand. And I appreciate you for breaking that down so eloquently um, because that essentially is the concept the the black Messiah. And yeah, it, it's, it is unfortunate that that system is working so well, but here we are in a position where the point that you made about us all being leaders and us needing to save ourselves, that, that actually turns out to be more sustainable is what it is. Um, having that one figurehead and, and that connection that you made between the spirituality, it's like that person is very vulnerable 
if if there's that one figurehead messiah figure and that person is you know if they're assassinated then that is it's distracting because now collectively we're grieving we're mourning and that's taking away from the energy going towards you know doing the work that we were rallying around them to do so i see that so i I appreciate that. I just had to, you know, break, to mention, break that down with my understanding. Let me, let me jump on that and expand further. Not to mention, you know, when, when we say we and use terms like us, what are we really talking about, right? Because MLK was the leader of his particular faction. Malcolm X was the leader of his faction. Those groups didn't see eye to eye. Some could say they even had beef until the end where MLK's um, tone kind of changed and more or less aligned with Malcolm. But when we say we, we're talking about what, melanated people in America? Because I can give you 10 factions of that, whether it's, you know, uh, people who refer to themselves as black or brown or, or Pan-African or African-American or Afro-American or Hebrew-Israelite or more or, or Christian or Jew or whatever, right? 5% mm -hmm. nation. There are a lot of different factions that also keep us divided. So when we say we, we got to really be specific and talk about who we are referring to when we say we. Because these leaders, they don't hang out, right? The, the, the head of the, the, the Christian church doesn't hang out with the head of the Baptist church and the head of the Moorish temple and the head of the, you know, 5% nation or whatever, but they all look the same. So we, we really have to be specific in determining who we are um, and, and finding a commonality or common unity that transcends whatever category of faith or worship or um, characterization we, we choose to classify us ourselves as that's that really that see sense. this is why i said we had to do more than one part because <laughs> okay. so I'll get like, we can do as much as you okay. need to okay we're gonna get deeper into the spirituality of everything so okay that that's that's brilliant you've actually literally given me homework because i'm like you know what i do need to sit down and and unpack malcolm called some of these leaders these so-called uncle tom leaders i mean it's not a, it's not a, a a mystery these guys weren't the best of friends however they right. shared the same plight right so right. once they found that commonality they started to align and once they started to align phew, assassinations happen right so Again, it's a it's a cumulative thing. It's not we we have to stay away from the things that divide us and get closer to the things that unite us. Martin said, "I fear I'm I'm integrating myself into a burning house," right? When in terms of integration, right? So you know he, he spoke on how all the money was granted to all these people to to build farms and to do this and to do that, but none of these people look like us. Right. So, and, and, you know, got back to that 40 acres and a mule thing. So once you started getting more radical and rebellious and started uh, putting things out there that were kind of aligning with those of Garvey or Malcolm X or Paul Robeson or any of the other greats, that's kind of when usually they get taken out. Because once those brothers come together and, and their churches and their temples and their factions come together as opposed to being divided. Like I said, the complexion changes overnight, literally and figuratively. And that's the biggest fear for the oppressor is the complexion of the country and the world to change. That's listen, you, you figured it out and I'm not disagreeing with you. You definitely figured it out. And that is, that's just science. And really it's, it sounds so simple the way that you put it, but 
it, I really, I need to unpack it. Like, I just feel like I need to sit with myself <laughs> and I need to just yeah. consider that on a deeper level because I, there's something, there's something more to it, you know, but that's just me. Um, so I want to really get into the, the solutions that we can find in the garden. Uh, and in particular, economically with considering where let's think about the pandemic right uh which we are still figuring out what all is going to happen what the after effects are going to be um i'm thinking about black people in america in particular because that's just i'm a black american all right so i'm considering some of our you know skin folk who are going to be impacted by the pandemic in a way where they're they may have trouble recovering economically you know the struggle was already real before this happened and then work is being affected in in all these ways so uh what where do we start in the garden with with recovering economically once we once we pick up the pieces and, and figure out what the fallout is from all of this? Um, yeah, another, another one I got to unpack a little bit. But, yeah. Uh, my first thought. I'll be uh, packing these questions. My bad. I don't be meaning <laughs> to make them so heavy, but I just be wanting to That's know. Fine. That's fine. It's interesting. You haven't really heard anything about the COVID pandemic in the last couple of weeks, right? It's not dominating the news cycle anymore since mm-hmm. the narrative has been changed to looters, right? And identifying yeah. you as looters and the president rolling out the military and saying stuff like when the looting starts, the shooting starts, right? So once that narrative changes, you don't hear much about the COVID pandemic, right? It dominated us for, what, 90 days? It turned off the economy, put millions of people out of work, made people homeless, killed people, the whole, the whole nine, right? Mm-hmm. So my thing is now we just got to focus on the same thing we've been doing. And again, prioritizing that garden um whether it's real or not right the information's still out there the, the number of deaths are kind of on par as the number of annual influenza deaths according to them according to the cdc right so we won't know what's happening with this or the truth about this until probably years from now um but for now all we can do is focus on ourselves and our immune systems and boost that that's going to be the number one um uh, agent or ally for us remaining healthy is to boost our immune system and keep it as high as possible. We're going into the summer months, which is the hottest weather, uh, the warmest weather, which is going to mean that number of um, people affected by COVID is going to be at its lowest, according to them, right? But mm-hmm. we have to remember going into September, October, November, when that temperature drops, chances are there's going to be a second wave or second round, whether it's real or not. Um, economically, it's going to be real because once that economy shuts off, real people have to deal with the real consequences, right? So, you know, whether the disease is tearing us up or not, and you see all these people in the streets protesting, nobody's within six feet, nobody's or outside of six feet, nobody's wearing a mask, police included. So I don't know, we're going to have to see, but I think for now, we need to just focus on what we can do. If we land too much of our mental and our spirit and our time to chasing and researching and trying to understand this global situation that's way above our, our pay grade and of our, our <laughs> understanding. We're going we're gonna to be distracted, lost, confused, and depressed. Um, 
But if we go outside and we absorb that vitamin D and we dig in that garden and we plant seeds and we grow food and we eat food and we share food, that's going to, and the right foods, of course, right? The right foods, if we focus mm. on that proper nutrition, we will keep our immune system in a place to where we can fight anything that comes, any kind of virus, right? Right. Um, so, you know, it's too soon, it's too soon to say. We're going to have to see. But judging by what they are offering, when I say they, that's the institutions who are in charge, um, CDC, et cetera, uh, there's going to be a second wave. And whether it's going to harm us or not physically, health-wise, it's definitely going to harm us economically. So now is the time to buckle down and focus on what we can do, what we can create. If we can create product right now uh, in our home and in our yards and in our communities, then it'll put us in a better situation to deal with whatever economic turmoil happens as a result to a second wave of this disease. Absolutely. And, and when, when you said what you just said about us, you know, growing our own food, it's making me think about the, the food instability, well, the, the food system and how it is being kind of destabilized by the way the economy it's just nothing is really, we don't really have like a, we don't know what, what's really happening. I just, I think about the future at this point and it's just a big question mark as if in the absence of everything else, the future would still be a big question mark. Cause we just, you know, I'm not psychic or whatever, but considering like the way that, you know, the economy has been slowed down and uh, just, you know, having a, people being sick in an outbreak, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, it's definitely going to impact the food system. So to your point, a great way to address the instability that is being caused in the food system is within our own grasp. Absolutely. So that's uh, hopeful. The supply chain is being affected big time. I mean, you see reports of all these crops that are being tossed in all these, these agricultural uh, products that are just being thrown out. They're culling and killing all these livestock because what the economy shut off. There's no, they've made it illegal to sell produce in some places, right? On a grand scale. Well, somebody's dependent on that, right? Somebody wants that squash or that lettuce or that corn. There's families who need that. Um, what are they going to do as a result, right? They're going to go out and they're going to get it by any means mm -hmm. necessary. So whether they're still in that flash green TV to sell it, to get some tomatoes or not, you know, people have to eat. So you cut that off, you're gonna see a whole lot of response. But again, what can you do in your yard? What can you grow? Can you grow 25% of your, your monthly needs? Uh, 50, some people live completely off their land, right? So you gotta mm -hmm. plug in somewhere and figure out what you can do. And economically, the things that you've been spending your money on, you might need to revisit that. You might not need to buy that extra whatever you're wasting your money on to, to, to you know, that, that comes in your house and feeds your kids, whether it's some snack or some whatever. Right now is the time to kind of tighten up and mm -hmm. get close to our needs and away from our wants until some normalcy, you know, happens around this place, until we get a, a better understanding of what's going on and how it's going to affect us long term. Okay, so your advice is to hunker down and conserve resources to the best of our ability so that we can just really try to like stabilize in the best way that we can uh, in the midst of so much uncertainty. So that is why that's wisdom. That is definitely wise.
I want to get into your your nutritional values, as in like how do you eat? I, I believe you're a vegan. Is that correct? No way. Never have ever used. No, never used the, the V word. Never claimed to be it, and actually not even with it. To be honest, that's a oh. that's a miss. Yeah, people are definitely. People always ask me about that, and they're they're shocked for me to say no. I don't know how I got it mistaken. So my bad. I either. I, I don't know. Maybe it has something to do with me seeing on more than one occasion you making a smoothie. So I just be like, biggest <laughs> love smoothies. No, no. <laughs> Again, we got to get away from all these categories, right? Okay. The same way I spoke about, you know, the African American versus the the Moorish versus the five percenter versus the baptist and the catholic you know we're all this you know we're all the same uh spirit underneath all that well these categories uh of food and nutrition work similarly right they're they end up being trendy gangs and once you join one of those trendy gangs you fail to see any value from the other gang right and that keeps us divided so there's vegan there's pescatarian there's vegetarian there's all these things and look, a lot of these people are on a journey and a path to health, right? And consciousness. So that's great. But yeah. from my experience, what I've seen as far as the vegan crew, it's not really, um, you know, something I want to, uh, um, let's see, lend my spirit to. However, I have mm-hmm. a ton of friends who are vegan chefs and I love their food and I go to their restaurants and I can name a few of them. Um, my homegirl, Angela, she runs the Jackfruit Cafe. She's an actor. She was in the movie Friday. People know her as Bye for Get Lucia. out of that's here. So you she's a Felicia? vegan chef and has her, Angela, she has a food truck in LA and she makes <laughs> fire food and it's all That's vegan and it works for her. And I love it and I support her. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's plenty of those types of folks, right? In our crew. But as far as the, the term and the crew, no, nah, I don't push that, you know, because Oreo cookies are vegan, right? French fries, beer, that's all vegan. That's not nutrition, right? So okay. I'm a plant-based nutritionist and I push plant-based nutrition. And for me, I define that as um, what's really whatever your balance is. But for me, 80% plant material and 20% non-plant material in the form of animal agriculture is kind of what my plate looks like for the most part. And, you know, it's not always exact, but I definitely, definitely try to, uh, to ingest more plant protein than I do animal protein. So you would say, because this is a term that I feel like I came up with, you're veggie centric plant-based that's it okay well plant-based i like veggie centric because this (laughs) again whatever floats your boat that's perfect as long as our plate looks the same you feel me we don't need all these different crews and clicks but however we can get people to eating better right and making better decisions on what they ingest it's all good you know if it works it's all good it it is yeah you're you're making a good point because i'm i'm getting caught up in the branding of it all i'm like yeah let's just be veggie centric yeah the vegans in california are like um middle-aged soccer mom white women right Mm -hmm. me too the me too movement the whole crew kind of associated with the vegan crew in california but again Mm -hmm. i would say the majority of my favorite restaurants are vegan restaurants for example there's one in inglewood called stuff i eat it's owned and operated by Chef Babette, a friend of ours, beautiful sister. Mm-hmm. And she makes wonderful food. It's right there on Market Street. It was featured in, um, what's the Issa Rae show? Insecure a couple of times. Uh-huh. Um, another oh. restaurant, Simply Wholesome, friends of ours, the owner. Shout out to Purcell, Mia, and Sister April. They make wonderful food. A lot of their dishes are vegan, right? 
Um, they also serve turkey tacos. So it's a balance. It's really your journey and what oh. you need. There's a bunch of reasons to adapt that sort of nutrition plan. You know, it's either a spiritual thing or a health thing or a environmental thing, right? Some people are just in, not into to the killing and eating of animals, right? Some people, right. people have their reason. But as long as you're getting healthier and more conscious and that food is turning into that medicine for you, you know, go for it. Pick whatever lane you want to pick. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's like your nutrition, your, your, your body living, not living, your body operating at its optimal, you know, range or, or basically living your best life nutrition wise. And according to your platform for whenever you run for leadership, assuming that you will, um, no pressure, no pressure. But your platform is <laughs> all of our problems can be solved in the garden. That's right. Okay. So I just, listen, editing is going to be fun for this because, you know, children, Name one. Name a problem. this is an interesting. Okay. So let us know. What are the top five challenges in the black community? You said the top five challenges in the black community? In America, yep. What are the top five? Just you can guess. It doesn't have to be perfect, but what do you? What would you say the top five challenges are? Uh, well, definitely starting with economic. Also, uh, with you know economics. Also mm -hmm. with health. Also with uh, who? Mental. Can I say health and then say mental health separately? Because I feel like they connect it, but they need to be addressed separately. So I, I'm just going to say that's three. Okay, so uh, let's see. What else? We, we, when I say health, I'm talking about, you know, like with diseases, diabetes, and things of that nature. Um, also, a disconnect from, from our ancestry in just so many ways. So much so that I would even venture to count that as two. Because there's a spiritual disconnect. And then there's also a disconnect from the land and nature, you know, as a result of all of the trauma that we've, that we've experienced from being removed from our original land. So I feel like I got five there. Was that five? Economics? Yeah, sure. Health, there's a, yeah, there's, health, there's a ton of them. How about parenting? How about nuclear family? How about relationships? Right? Drug abuse, right? A lot of these things uh, uh, tear us up miseducation division mm -hmm. i mean the list goes on and on but yeah of course of course health being the in economics being the 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 most important um it's it's pretty clear i mean economics wise you know the more you put seeds in the ground the more you have to buy from someone else's grocery store who you know may or may not be owned by someone who looks like you or doesn't um so you know you're putting every dollar you spend um in that store you're, you know, putting that owner's child through college, right? Uh, look at it that way. Or every dollar you spend, you're financing their new car or their new, you know, vacation or house, whatever the case may be. And, you know, that's, it's not the most important way to look at it. However, if economics is your priority, then maybe you should look into doing things that will uh, help you save more money and remain home and, and remain, uh, you know, practicing things that are going to lead to you being more self-sufficient. 
um, health-wise, it's a no-brainer. I mean, if you're eating homegrown produce that doesn't have to travel from the other side of the country, right? So let's right. say, let's say California, for example, is known for, I don't know, let's say peaches and, and grapes and wine, whatever. Uh, you're, you're in South Carolina, so you're going to wait, what, a week for my peaches to be delivered to your doorstep? What's but South Carolina, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. South Carolina has I know peaches. you got peaches. I know you got peaches. Just a bad example. <laughs> Um, but, but, you know, not everywhere does New York city doesn't. So they got to wait. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, if the more that produce or that food is the further it has to go, the more, the faster it loses its nu- nutrient density. Right. You know, every ounce. So that's why we're encouraging people to eat live food and electric food right out of the garden, out of the garden, mm-hmm. right out of the ground. Um, so, so health wise. Yeah. I mean, it's going to translate right away, you're going to feel the difference right away. A person that has been dependent on food shipped from everywhere for their entire life, the second they eat a, a plate of fresh, alive food right out of the garden, I mean, mm. they have an experience. I've seen it over and over and over, and I've experienced it myself. They have almost a supernatural experience. So, you know, wow. imagine making that a normal thing. You're going to have those experiences more often. And you're just, like I said, you're going to open up different pathways that help you to evolve in real time and you'll see it it's almost like being neo in the matrix right you eat junk that clogs your mind and confuses you fillers right for your entire life the second you eat something organic you're just gonna your your body's just gonna say thank you and i would love (laughs) for everyone to experience that it's like an epiphany it's like your body is is having an epiphany it's just waking up to it's the the glory of having real something real from the earth introduced into it so when the ancestors talked about the third eye i mean that's kind of what they were talking about and they talked about letting thy food be thy medicine that's yeah that's uh that's imhotep right that's not hippocrates right mm. so the average doctor has to take the hippocratic oath when they're sworn in to practice medicine right right well you study the the teachings of Hippocrates and the origin of Hippocrates, he learned from Imhotep, that ancient oh. North African ancestor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the first step pyramid in Egypt was built for Imhotep, right? So, or built by Imhotep, master scientist, master engineer. Um, he, one of his famous quotes was, let thy food be thy medicine. So, you know, once you adapt that, that mentality and you look at that food as, as medicine and not as just junk. So you stop eating the garbage that calcifies your pineal gland and fills up all of your pathways, all of your lymphatic pathways and all of your, your, your blood vessels, all those things are clogged up, right? By cholesterol and by junk and garbage and plastic and GMO and fake food. Once mm-hmm. you flush all that out and start eating real food that you've grown, not only are you going to have that, um, that supernatural experience, but you know you're getting healthier, right? And you start to believe it and you get more yeah. into it and it starts to become an addiction. Um, and once you get addicted to nutrients instead of uh, ingredients and chemicals, then, you know, you start, it starts opening up and you start seeing clearer through your third eye. It's all connected. So, you know, I can't oh. be one that wants to, I can't be one that wants to preach these things to, to people but I can show people how to put themselves in a situation to experience these things for themselves. That's what's important to me. What I appreciate from you 
and I'm listening and I'm just taking it all in. I'm not getting a preachy vibe from you. I'm getting a, hey, this is matter of fact, this is what it is. Uh, I received the whole uh, history lesson and, and, and making a connection between us eating in, in a very, you know, uh, organic kind of way that and making that connection between how it directly affects us with, with the spirituality and everything, I couldn't ask for anything more. Like, I appreciate you so much for just dropping all this science and wisdom. So we're going to keep this going. Uh, we're going to do a, a, another part because I have way more questions, follow-up questions. I still, before, before we wrap up though, and I should have done this at the beginning, but hey, you know, we're just, we're chopping it up. How how can we make the connection? Help us make the connection between LA and where you are now. Wait, what island did you say that you were on? Maui? Maui. Maui. See, I do be listening. So how you get from besides the airplane, how do you get from LA to Maui? Well, for the last 10 or so years, um I and we've done um a tremendous amount of community projects right we've installed gardens at schools high schools elementary schools uh we've installed uh hydroponic and aquaponic greenhouses um we've installed raised beds at community parks and community gardens all over the city we've we've installed and maintained and farmed um uh urban farming plots out in the desert right out in riverside and ontario and things like that Mm -hmm. um we've created and built backyard farms for a ton of people um of all ranges economic ranges from you know folks in the inner city to celebrities to politicians you know we've we've done that that work uh but in los angeles you know like my plot my um where i live you know my lot is what no bigger than a quarter acre you know, just the entire lot, including mm -hmm. the house, garage, everything. So the space is very limited. You can't really uh, do your thing agriculture wise in inner city of Los Angeles or New York City or Jacksonville or whatever, wherever you have to go out to the, you have to go to the country where there's space. Mm -hmm. um, on grid agriculture is, is fun for a family, right? But you can't expand it. So my goal was to scale what I've learned up. And I had to get somewhere where I have a lot of land and a lot of natural resources so I can further my education and my experience and bring it back to Los Angeles, California and share it back with my folks on the mainland. Um, so, uh, you know, we decided to move out here last year to, to explore that. And now I'm on a five acre farm um, where I do have neighbors and I do have farm mates, but I have a ton of land to grow food and an everlasting water supply and really, really nutrient dense soil. Um, so I wanna learn as much as I can here so that I can bring back the knowledge to California and help people uh, put it in their own context and help them feed their family. Wow, that's a whole plan. Okay, so there's a strategy behind it. Oh yeah, we, we don't move without no strategy, sister. We, of course. We have no time to move without strategy. I don't know. It just, I've, I kind of thought about Moses a little bit. Um, cause you're, uh, you, it's like you're, you went over there to, you know, get, get the, <laughs> to figure it all out so that you could come back and free your people. 
I never looked at it that way, but you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, you know. It's uh, one way like to con- consider, just consider, just food for thought. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not bad <laughs> at that at all. But see, again, you're doing the same thing, right? I mean, you put yourself in a position for your message and the message of your people to get out to the world. Right. So I can say the same thing about you. But again, we are all leaders and we all have to be leaders in our own community. We're not waiting for one person, man or woman. We just need to bring our um, gifts and our light and our knowledge to the table to add to the pie. That's all we can do. Live by example. What I, what I love about what you just said is how I felt like legitimately empowered for you to just say, look, you, you don't have to wait for a leader, AKA savior or whatever you actually are, you know, like we say, be the change and all that, but it's, it's like, you're giving me permission to just figure it out. Like you, you have everything that you already need. You're, you're a leader. And so I want to echo that to everybody that is listening, no matter where you are, you definitely not stuck. Cause I don't believe in being stuck. You can lead in whatever way that is, is relevant for who you are and what, what your skill set is. Cause you know, depending on the person would determine what they're going to do and what makes them effective in how they make changes in their community. But the point is you can be a part of the solution. So that's just me to the listeners on behalf of Nick. I, you would have said the same thing, right? The exact same thing. The exact same <laughs> that's it. That's it. I, yes. We are, we are wise individuals. So Tell us a little bit more about how we can keep up with you until we uh, get back on part two. And we're going to continue with a, a few more ways that we can, we can solve, solve all of our problems in the garden. But until then, how can we support you and how can we find you? Oh, you can follow me at Nick Neighbor on IG. I believe those things that handle goes across all platforms, but I'm pretty much only on IG these days. Um, We are launching an online marketplace for folks to uh, be able to procure some of the essential goods and resources that speak to self-sustainability. I can't give out that URL yet just because it isn't uh, quite protected, but by our next chat, I will have that. I'm all about solutions. So this is just one way to, um, to get those solutions in your household. But until then, you can just follow me on Instagram. I'm putting out a series of um, images and videos that kind of explain a lot of the plant-based nutritional um, uh, values that I've, that I've learned in in an easy way. Uh, Just certain plants you can keep around the house or plant in the backyard and their effect, what they do for you. Um, So, so pay attention to that. And that's going to expand into video form. There's going to be a ton of these types of podcasts getting released in the next couple of weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been doing them pretty much every week. So it's, it's just all about us staying in communication with each other, right? And spreading each other's light like you're doing. So salute to you, sister, for doing that. I've listened mm-hmm. to several of the people on your show. And I know quite a few of them, right? Went to school with them and have, have broken bread with them. So keep what? doing what you do. And I'll keep doing what I do and we can encourage all of our village to keep doing what they do so we can come together and have a united uh, effort. Uh, So thanks for having me. It was my pleasure. Come back. (laughs) 
I just dropped all my stuff I, in, my, in my enthusiasm. So yes, come back. I appreciate you, Nick. I'm going to wish you love, light, and soil until part two. <laughs> I like that. Righteous. All right, sister, be blessed. I don't know about you, but I feel full. Okay, that was part one of our conversation with who is sure to be your favorite neighbor by now, neighbor Nick. And I I just hope that you got as much from that as I did from having that experience of having a conversation with him. There's so much more to unpack. So we're, we're just going to, you know, we're going to come right on back to it, like I said. But before we go any further, listen, thank you again. I probably said that a bunch of times. It's because I mean it. And I want to make sure that you know that your ears are appreciated. Now, speaking of your ears being appreciated, I got some gems for y'all. I got some jewels for y'all. I want y'all to uh, tune into this this new black content that is coming out around plants. Now, first of all, okay, let's start with the podcast. You're listening to Black in the Garden podcast. Black in the Garden, I'm proud to announce, is a sponsor of the Black Plant Chick podcast. And that podcast is a bi-weekly podcast where my girl Jade talks to you about all her favorite houseplants, all of her houseplants and how she takes care of them. So I am super hype about that. Episode three is what is most current as of the time of this recording. Check it out. All right. You will not be disappointed. Go ahead and add that to your pod lineup. And while we're talking about black ass plant content, I mentioned at the top of the show, black girl, green world, AKA Brittany from the stay plant woke episode. She has her Instagram live that she does on Thursday nights. I believe it's about nine. I will put that in the show notes. Make sure y'all tune into that. Last week was the first time she did it and we had a ball. I tune in. I love to support whatever y'all are doing. Please make sure that you alert. Let me know so that I can support. I'm all about the support and I'm here for you. And one other thing Coming up actually on tomorrow, if you are tuned into this show on the day of the drop, Hella Plants with my girl, Lucretia Braxton, aka Soul Sister Plants. Listen, she is a damn fool. Okay. And I mean that in the most endearing way. You know how we talk to each other. <laughs> that girl is a fool. She don't got no sense. That is Lucretia all day, every day. And she launched Hella Plants just being her whole entire amazing dynamic. This woman, listen, I'm getting chills. She's just, she's such a force and I'm so proud of her. I'm getting choked up. I don't know why. Don't get me started. But listen, I'm going to be on Hella Plants on tomorrow. Don't know where they came from, but I'm not cutting it out. But love you, Lou. As you can see, you got, you got your girl over here getting choked up. But I'm going to be on Hella Plants on tomorrow on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I promise I'm not going to get choked up. I'm not. Well, I'm going to do my best, but we're going to have a good time. We're going to have a good black time and we're going to talk about plants. There's going to be poetry. There's going to be snaps. There's going to be kikis, all that good fun stuff. So uh, shout out to my people out here producing all this good black content. And uh, this has been Black in the Garden, episode seven of season two. 
I appreciate you so much. Uh, everything you need to know is in the show notes. Perhaps you want to give some support. We love that. We love uh, you becoming a patron on Patreon. All that information is in the show notes. You can support via Anchor. You can even cash up your girl. Uh, cash tag Black in the Garden. Look, holler. Okay, we will accept all donations to make this thing into the very great and amazing thing that it is shaping up to be. Season two, look, episode seven, y'all. Episode seven. We got a few more episodes until I take my summer break because your girl, listen, your girl's going to get her rest. If y'all want to have a good, exciting, fun, energetic show, then we got to make sure that we're taking care of our content creators. And when I say content creator, I just mean me for all intents and purposes for the sake of this broadcast, you know what it is. So thank you once more. I want to wish you all love, light, and soil. I, I don't think I have any more announcements. I said everything I need to say. I said what I said, love, light, and soil y'all. Peace.